You're listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture that these brilliant ladies enjoy. So, heat up your kettles. It's tea time. Hello, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and this week we are discussing sci-fi fantasy TV shows written by men versus women. Well, kind of. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, Katie, what have you been up to? Um. Well, I've been working. No. <laughs> no. You haven't been uh, working. No. <laughs> no. I. I've been. I've been working real hard, dude. I totally like did this thing on Friday that like messed some stuff up because I had a total brain meltdown oh, and no. like. I had to like talk to all these people to try to fix it and then somebody was being super stubborn about it and wouldn't fix it and I was just like you can fix this why are you not fixing it? <laughs> it got fixed just not in the fashion that several of us wanted gotcha but it got fixed so it was drama pure drama Friday like just Yikes. drama everyone's head was melting on Friday apparently <laughs> oh my god yeah um, I went to game night on Thursday with uh, at Dylan and Colleen's uh, Dustin's apartment, which was so much fun because Natalie was there. Cole was back from Vietnam. So I got to hang out with Coley and uh, Carrie came and uh, Colleen's bo- new boyfriend. Jamie and then their friend Oliver came I only got to meet them for like a second because they did show up until like nine o'clock and I was like I gotta go home again yeah you're like I gotta drive (laughs) and Ian Ian was also here was back from Cincinnati to visit uh but it was so much fun uh we played all of these like tabletop games and we played Jackbox games on the PS4 and I love game nights. And I was like, we should do this more because Natalie is here and all of these other things. It was so much fun. Nice. Oh, my God. And I love hanging out with Carrie. And I told Carrie, I was like, we never go to trivia anymore. And she goes, oh, my God, I know. And Natalie in the corner was like, I'm 21 now. I could go to trivia. And Carrie was like, we should go to trivia. Nice. <laughs> so I think we're going to trivia on Tuesday, possibly. Awesome. Um, so I'm super excited. I love going to trivia nights also because we have a tendency to win because I got all the pop culture stuff going on and then Carrie's got everything else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I went to on Friday with Morgan, Kenny and Natalie, we went to the unauthorized musical parody of Clueless at the Rockwell. So it was put on by the same people that did the Jurassic Park one that I went and saw like a couple months ago. It was hilarious and just, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't as good as the Jurassic Park one, but it was still like super funny and great. Murray was a girl, which was so, was so great. So like Dion and Murray were like a like a, a a lesbian couple which was super awesome that's cool um, and murray the the girl who played murray so amazing like she was cute and funny and hilarious and such a good singer and Cher was great dion was great uh my favorite my two favorite people were the person who played amber uh because she wasn't just amber she was also miss geis and the um 
the the maid in in Cher's house and she was so good at one point there was like a scene transition and she comes running out half costumed as the maid she was like these scene transitions are too fast how am I supposed to change from that costume to this costume and be here in time (laughs) nice I love it it was so funny um she was so good as Amber though like so funny and Miss Geis hilarious and um you probably did you watch my insta story i did okay did you see the photo that i posted of natalie where she was like holding the 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 tumbler yes they were they were like on the bar doing stuff right next to where we were sitting yeah and so like really close (laughs) miss geis was like hold this and she like handed it to natalie and she was like uh (laughs) it was really funny um really good it was really good. It was really good. So, like, the girl who played Amber and the person who played Christian was so good. He looked he played, good. He played both Christian and Travis. So, like, oh. so, so great. As Christian, I was like, is there was no way to tell that Christian wasn't gay. Yeah. And, like, there was a part where he comes at a guy and he had glitter in his hands and he, like, threw the glitter at him and was, like, clapping at him. So it was glitter going everywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. How is he doing the hair? Because his hair was like sculpted perfectly. I don't I don't know how he was able to get his hair to stay that way and then put the wig on for Travis. Yeah. And like at the end he pulled the wig off for Travis and his hair was still that perfect pompadour. Like, Weird. I was like, what kind of product do you use? How well, did you do this? And I love you. And like how did the wig playing Travis like not look like he had like a massive head? <laughs> Uh, cause it was like a wig and a beanie. So like he, he had the oh, beanie to keep it down. That but makes still, sense. Like still, as soon as he whipped the wig awesome. off, his hair poofed back up and you're like, Dang. I'm in love with you. Like, oh my God. Uh, the best part was, is that they kept making fun of the fact that Josh and Cher were technically siblings. Nice. Like step siblings, but they kept, they kept pointing it out. They're like, but you guys are brother and sister. They're like, it's fine. We're not, it's fine. <laughs> and we're like, no, it's really not fine. Yeah, which is the point that everyone brings up, so it's it kind of makes sense for them to do that. <laughs> yes, so it was, like, super funny that they kept bringing that up. Um, let's see, yesterday, I did absolutely nothing. Nice. Uh, I didn't even change out of my pajamas until, like, five. Those are the best days. It was great. Um, I watched Taken, which I haven't watched in a long time with uh, Liam and Neeson. And then I watched The Purge election year. So I was really into the shows where people are getting kidnapped and murdered. <laughs> nice. Yesterday. <laughs> you were going um, for a theme. Yes. Uh, well, the new Purge movie comes out on Wednesday, which I'm super stoked about seeing because I actually like really like the Purge franchise. So yeah. I can't wait to see that one. That's their like, that's our 4th of July movie. I don't know what that says about the U.S. <laughs> Probably nothing good. But <laughs> no. Uh, this move, the new one that's coming out is a prequel to the first one. So you get to find out how the purge even started. Gotcha. So I'm excited about that, that, and they were hardcore trolling a, a certain president with their posters and stuff oh. and whatnot. So I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then outside of that, I've been going through a bunch of my stuff, like out okay. in the garage to like throw it away. And apparently I'm a hoarder. Yeah. Why? Because I still had all of my notebooks and stuff from college. 
Oh, wow. Which was almost no joke. I graduated from undergrad like almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I threw away a bunch of stuff. At least you didn't have, I mean, did you have stuff from high school? Did, no, no. Maybe. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, I did go through some of my other stuff and like, you know how like I was such a huge fan of Lance Armstrong? Like that's how I started getting yes. into cycling. And I like was really into keeping like newspaper clippings and I found all of the newspaper clippings that I had kept from like when he won his seventh race which was like 2005 wow. or six and i was like uh i threw it all away because looking at it was just depressing i was like yeah it's just it was just sad and then like i had a bunch of other stuff that i got rid of and like i had all of these magazines that i had read like that had lance armstrong on them and stuff and i was like i guess we could donate these i don't know who's gonna buy them <laughs> I don't know, people who do craft stuff, I guess. Yeah. Cut out. I was also watching Riverdale, so, like, cutting out Black Hood notes, too. I mean, you could use you go. for those. <laughs> yeah. I watched, like, three episodes of Riverdale last yesterday. So, like, I just got to the part where the Black Hood is back. Oh, And, yeah. like, Betty giving up chick to the Black Hood. I was like, girlfriend. Dang, spoilers what for Riverdale season two if you've not seen it. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> and on that note, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> um. Well, I haven't done too, too much this week because just, you know, working. But uh, we did go to Belfast for Eamon's birthday. That was fun. We got Tim Hortons again because it's new. Why not? There's actually another... <laughs> new donut shop opening up and it's kind of like a hipstery one like like they have like fancy donuts so i kind of want to try that next time it's called taboo and oh. uh, yeah it looks pretty cool um we or we Eamon bought some like blu-rays for his birthday so we got molly's game so we watched that this week which was really good again um Eamon and I always joke because the first, like, ten minutes of the movie, it it's, like, completely different to what the rest of the movie is. And it kind of bugged me the first time we watched it. <laughs> but it makes <laughs> sense. Like, it makes sense once you, like, watch the whole movie. It's just kind of irritating at the beginning going, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, you know, Sorkin. So, um, and then also this week... Uh, we started watching Glow season two, which was like really good. Like they kind of addressed some things that I don't know if they were too afraid to address last season, but like they were kind of like going for it full force this season, like in terms of like how women were treated back in the 80s, you know, like either just women in general or just the fact that like women in Hollywood, you know, um, but they, like, weren't afraid to talk about certain stuff this year. Uh, just seen the first two episodes, though. But it's really good. Have you seen season one? No, I never watched Glow. Oh, it's pretty good. I know. People keep telling me to watch it. Like, Morgan really liked it and Kenny li- loved it. But, like, also they like wrestling, so. Oh, see, I know nothing about wrestling. And I still loved it. Okay. I, I mean, it's on my list of things to watch. I mean, I've got, like 
10 gajillion things on my list to watch. (laughs) I watched two episodes of Hannibal on Amazon Prime yesterday. All right. (laughs) So, hey. Very good. Yeah, I've been keeping I've been keeping up with the bold type on Amazon Prime. It's been so nice having it week to week, but also sad because I can't binge it. Oh man, I just realized that I did not watch the latest episode of The Handmaid's Tale, which I need to watch. Oh, I need to catch up on that too. Mm, girl, um, there's some stuff going on. Oh my I've, god. I've heard. I mean, I haven't heard what's going on, but I've heard that there's stuff. You know what there's I mean? Stuff. There's so much stuff. The stuff. There's definitely stuff going on. <laughs> And then uh, last, I've been reading a lot this week. Uh, one that may be for a future episode. Oh. But then, well, you know what it is. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't put on the notes because I didn't want oh, to say I was it. Like, I'll probably I cut this out. <laughs> I saw this book and I was like, I don't know what book that is. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but the book that I... The other book I've been reading is called Lies We Tell Ourselves by Robin Talley. It was on the, there was a table at the bookstore that we went to that was dedicated to like Pride Month. So it was all either books with LGBTQ characters or written by LGBTQ people or um, just had that sort of theme. So I I picked this up and this book is about... The time era is set in the 1959, like, civil rights movement area. Okay. And these two girls start to fall for each other, but one is black and one is white. Oh. And it's, yeah. And it's, like, it's when the kids start, like, the, the, uh, the black kids start going to the white schools. Okay, so, yeah. And there's, like, major, major, major racial tension, obviously, because they're pretty much, like, forced to, ha- like, integrate and so you like get this firsthand super intense experience of what it was like for those kids to walk into a school like that this is not like you know a true story this is fiction but it's still like the account is so realistic you feel like it was written by someone who lived through it oh that's interesting and like it's like down to the details of like all the things that they shouted at them, like digging pencils into their back during the assemblies, like throwing spitballs at them in the middle of class while the teachers don't do anything, all this stuff. But then these two girls, like the one girl, her dad is like one of the biggest people that's against it all. And like, she starts to fall for the other girl, but it's obviously 1959, which is like, No. <laughs> it's like a double, it's a double whammy because she's exactly. like. Exactly. She's black and like. And so yeah, exactly. It's a big it's interesting. one too. Oh yeah. And like, so it goes back and forth between the two girls' different perspectives. So it goes, you know, it, it shows you like one, the mindset of being a, you know, a black girl in 1959, but also being like a white girl in 1959 and like struggling with the fact that she knows a lot of what's going on is wrong, but she's being like, she's constantly being told that, you know, what everyone's saying is right, but it's not, but it's not like, (laughs) so it's just interesting to see the perspectives. Like you can, you can like obviously see her thought process of like, but why are they treating her this way? I know she's a good person. 
you know, but they obviously don't see her the way I do. And then mm-hmm. it's the same way how I see pretty much any other black person is like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's really, really fascinating because so much of it could really apply to now. <laughs> like that's very <laughs> upsetting that that is true. And it's, it's honestly, it's kind of upsetting to read, but like, it's important. Yes. Like, I think it's a really important book. So if anyone's interested Lies We Tell Ourselves by Robin Talley. Just saying. Uh, quick side note. Did you know that The Hate You Give is going to be a movie? Yes. Okay. Um, I already saw the trailer for it. Same. So. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I love that book. That book was so good. Um, Another important book everyone should go read and go see the movie. Yes. But uh, moving on, so hope everyone has checked out the other podcasts on our network. If you haven't, be sure to go to geek2geekcast.com and check out Geek2Geek Podcast with Void and Beige and Geektitude with Joe and Ray. Both podcasts give you all the geekiness you could ever need, so be sure to give them a listen. And listen now for a little more info. I'm Void. And I'm Beige. And together, we're the Geek2Geek Podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. And we're back. Uh, so <laughs> you're like, and we're back, and you did a log pause. So it was like, uh, but are we? I just need, I just need the break. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, and then just dead silence for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if we're like, just kidding, messing with you. Just kidding, really we're not here. back. No. Um, so Katie, today we're, I didn't write any notes for this, so I'm just winging it. <laughs> today, we're talking about sci-fi fantasy TV shows written by men versus women. Kind of. So this has been our reoccurring like episode, like, you know, theme, formula, whatever you want to call it. But when we sat down to try to find TV shows that were strictly written by women, we couldn't find any, could we? Well, you found one. It, uh, I went with like showrunners. So I think we picked showrunners, yeah. right, for this one. So we went with, because I feel like it would be too hard to find shows, which is, this yeah. is the, that's the point, is it was too hard to find shows where a predominantly the writer yep. was a woman. Yep. Um, but even like just finding show creators of like shows that were just women was so hard for sci-fi fantasy like genre TV shows. Even if it was just strictly sci-fi or strictly fantasy, like it was really hard. I think I found three. Did I say there was three that I, I found? Think, yeah, I or think two. there was. I just hadn't seen a few of them. Yeah, which so is Charmed. why I didn't. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Charmed is one. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch was the other one. And I th- yeah. think there might have been one more. But, like, that was it. I was, like, I looked at every single show that I at least watched a episode from. And not one of them, up until I got to Charmed, was, yeah. like, strictly uh, run by a woman. Exactly. Like, even the shows that I picked, I feel like are kind of cheating because one of them was co-developed by a woman. No, actually, technically, they were both co-developed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them, the male tends to get more of the credit and is clearly like, well, not, I don't know if he's clearly doing more, but he must be like more of the showrunner. So I'm counting that as my show written by a man. Okay. Um, but really, like, it was difficult. So anyone listening out there, if you know of some sci-fi fantasy shows that are strictly, like, it's strictly created by a woman, and we haven't mentioned them because maybe we haven't seen them, please let us know, because I definitely want to check some of them out. Yeah. I'm sure same with you. Yeah. Um, but... You know, so this episode may be, like, not quite on point with our theme, but I think it'll be an interesting discussion later on. Uh, But first, let's uh, talk about the two shows that you wanted to highlight. Okay. Uh, So I picked for my show run by a woman. I ended up doing... So, like, I did watch Charmed, but I did not watch the whole show. Okay. Like, I have not seen the whole thing. And... By, like, many seasons. So I stopped watching, I think, not too long after um, Paige joined the cast because it didn't like the direction the show was going. So I just Mm -hmm. cut it. And I think that was, like, there was still, like, three or four seasons left when I, like, stopped watching. So I didn't go with that one. And I haven't seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch in, like, forever. (laughs) So I same. <laughs> so I couldn't do that one. Um, so I went with a co-run show that I actually like am currently watching. Like I only ha- I'm on the last season, uh, which is the Vampire Diaries. So it was hard to find a show that was classified as sci-fi fantasy. So yeah. I went. I kind of split them and went with shows that were like listed as both. Like, well, yeah, I think as long as one of as long as it's one of them or within yeah. the realm of that genre, yeah, that's fine. I, f- I feel like the two shows I pick though are like not <laughs> close, <laughs> but we'll deal well, with that. I would say, I would say they are uh, a a little. This one has uh, so I went with the Vampire Diaries, which obviously has much more of a supernatural fantasy feel to it. Yeah. Uh, so the first episode of this show debuted on the CW uh, in September of 2009. Turns out that this show actually had the most watched pilot of a show since the C- CW started in 2006. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I think I did watch the pilot when it was on. Yeah, it was so. the most watched pilot. And I was like, dang, <laughs> amazing. Nice. Uh, the show aired its final episode on March 10th in 2017. It has eight seasons, which are all available on Netflix if you want to watch it. Yes. Um, the show is classified as a supernatural fantasy drama show with obviously with like romance as part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the show was created by Kevin Williamson and Julie Pleck. So I just I'm obsessed with things that are done by Kevin Williamson. Apparently, We, we both are. It's all right. <laughs> Because he's just so good. 
Um, yes. This show was very, very loosely based, like loosely, yeah. loosely, loosely based on the I book series. I read the first book. <laughs> uh, by the same name, so the Vampire Diaries series by L.J. Smith. I read the first, I think, three novels of this book series. And trust me, the only thing that they share is the name and the characters. That is it. Yep. The storyline, completely different. I think the only, the first episode followed the book, like, extremely close. Yeah. And that's it. Outside of that, like, they the same. I'm pretty sure there's, like, a book where they get trapped in, like, a snow globe or something, which is weird. That is weird. So, I don't know. Anyway, so this show stars a whole lot of people, which I'm going to read, and it's going to be great. So, (laughs) uh, Nina Dobrev. I'm going to pronounce people's names wrong, too, so I apologize for that as well. Right. So Paul Wesley, Ian Summerholder, Stephen R. McQueen, Sarah Channing, Canning, Sarah Canning, Cat uh, Graham, Candace King, Zach Rowing, Kayla Ewell, Michael Trevino, Matt Davis, Joseph Morgan, and Michael Malarkey. And I have a really, really long plot summary because every other plot summary that I read was terrible. That's fine. (laughs) Go for it. So I'm going to read this. It's from Wikipedia, and it's actually really good. It describes the show perfectly. That's why I put it here. Oh, nice. So it says, the series is set in a fictional town of Mystic Falls, Virginia, a town changed with, charged with supernatural history since its settlement of migrants from New England in the late 19th century. It follows the life of Elena Gilbert, a teenage girl who has just lost both of her parents in a car accident and falls in love with a 162-year-old vampire named Stefan Salvatore. Their relationship becomes increasingly complicated as Stefan's mysterious brother, Damon Salvatore, returns with a plan to bring back his pa- their past love, Catherine Pierce, a vampire who looks exactly like Elena. Although Damon is initially the villain and harbors a grudge against his brother for forcing him to become a vampire, he later reconciles with Stefan and falls in love with Elena, creating a love triangle among the three. Because we could possibly have a Kevin Williamson show without a love triangle. Of course not. <laughs> Both brothers protect Elena as they face various villains and threats to their town, including Catherine. The boy's history and the town's mythology are revealed through flashbacks as the series goes on. Additional storylines revolve around the other inhabitants of the town, most notably Elena's younger brother, Jeremy Gilbert, her best friend, Bonnie Bennett, and Caroline Forbes, whom is my favorite character. Their mutual friends, Tyler Lockwood and Matt Donovan, and their history teacher, vampire hunter, Alaric Saltzman. The town's politics and are orchestrated by descendants of the original founding families, all comprising a founder's council. The founding families of Mystic Falls include the Salvatores, Gilberts, the Fells, the Forbes, and the Lockwoods. They guard the town mainly from vampires, although there are more supernatural threats such as werewolves, witches, hybrids, ghosts, and many more. Nice. So what is this show about? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. So uh. <laughs> um, overall, the show is really great. I really enjoy it. It's got that like uh, supernatural feel to it, which I love because I am. It came. This show came right at the right in the middle of the vampire craze, which was like perfect for it. But it yes. was actually a very well done show is the thing is that it was like. I don't know. It was just very, very well done. The characters had a lot of depth and growth throughout the series. 
Um, things did transition as the show went on, where it moved away from Elena Gilbert's story and focused more on other people. Whereas like Stefan and, and Damon were still like very much at the like the center of the storylines, and everything just sort of revolved around them in there. Yeah, like everything that happens to them, everything sort of branches off of that. And this show did result in a spinoff, which is still currently airing, which is the originals. Yeah. Um, uh, which took my favorite character, my other favorite character away, which was Klaus. Aww. So anyways, uh, we could talk more about the show as we go on when we get to our question section. Uh, the other show that I chose was Outlander, which is obviously not close. It's, it's kind of similar in like, I don't know. It's, it's a little similar, I guess. Yeah, I would say. So, um, Outlander, I am behind on this show because they're, we, they went to France and I didn't like it and it was just like frustrating and it kills Karen every day that I have not caught up on it, but I'm still planning on doing it. Like I'm planning on continuing with this show because it's really good. Don't worry, Karen. She'll get there. I'll get there. I promise. So I chose Outlander. The first episode debuted on Stars on August 14th in 2014. Uh, they wrapped their third season last year and are moving into their fourth season, which is supposed to debut, I believe, November of this year. And then um, they already got uh, approved for a fifth and sixth season. So oh, wow. the show has got more coming to it. There are a lot of books because this show yes. is also based on a book series uh, by Diana... Oh, my God. I'm going to butcher her last name. Gabaldon? Gabaldon, yeah. Gabaldon? Right. Yeah. So uh, I think Tiffany's read almost all the books. I think Karen read all the books, too. I think so, yeah. So there are a lot of books. And this series has been around since the 90s, I believe. So it's it's a Dang. fairly older uh, series. It kills me that I just said it's older because that's... <laughs> Well, in terms of like a book series, isn't the book series still going on? I I think so. Or it's at least like come out recently. So like that's that's a pretty long time for one book series. I think so. I cannot confirm. I did not do enough research. So Karen, don't yell at your... Don't fact check us. <laughs> don't fact check us and don't yell at me. <laughs> Um, the show was created by Ronald D. Moore. It's a, it's classified as a historical fiction drama sci-fi fantasy romance show. So it sort of covers a lot of... It's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of everything. That's what's going on. Um, and there are a lot of people in this cast, but I picked the main three to put on here, which is Sam Hewen, Tobias McKenzie, Menzis, and... I am going to kill her name, and I'm really sorry about it. The girl who plays Claire. <laughs> it's Katarona Bailiff. Bailiff? I think that's how you say it. I'm so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, this show is very, very good. And uh, the plot of the show is, after serving as a British Army nurse in World War II, Claire Randall is enjoying a second honeymoon in Scotland uh, with husband Frank in MI6 officer looking forward to a new career as an Oxford historian. Suddenly Claire is transported to 1743 and into a mysterious world where her freedom and life are threatened. To survive, she marries... Oh, that's a lot of spoilers. So we're just going to stop there. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to ruin this show for people. No, that's great. That's great. Um. Anyways, 
like in order to survive she she does a thing so like she basically has living two lives is what's happening is she does has she go a whole, back and forth she does she does end up going back to Ooh. her time like the time that she's from so like she got mysteriously transported to another like to 1743 and so she's like a person out of time so she obviously is like super far into the future so she and her husband is a historian because he's going back to like trace back his family line mm-hmm. which traces back to the time frame that she gets sent to interesting and so she actually runs into her husband's ancestor who is a very bad person. Now, the biggest difference between these two shows that you have to keep in mind is that one is on the CW and one is on stars. So obviously the content that the shows show are extremely different. Yes. Because stars is obviously a, like a premiere, like a, like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a movie channel. So like you have to pay to have it. Exactly. Kind of thing. Whereas, like, the CW is, like, something you can get on your TV if you have an antenna. Like. Basically, they could show a lot of sex stuff is what you're saying. Yes. So this Outlander covers a lot of heavy topics. So there's a lot of sex scenes. There's a lot of nudity. There is a lot of, uh, unfortunately, there is a lot of rape stuff in this. And a lot of use of really awful language and um, some other things. And it, it. Also shows, like, how different the time is between where Claire is in her life and just post-World War II, like, the time frame that she lives in, versus then. Because, obviously, like, back then, women did not have, like, like, rights, basically. Like, they, they, their entire life was to get married and have babies, and that kind of stuff. A lot less rights than World War Two, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and listening to her like, like when they listen to her and like, cause she like cusses and says all of these things, and they look at her like, what kind of like, <laughs> like who are you? Who is this lady? Yeah, it's great. So uh, those are my two shows, and now nice. you can talk about your two shows that you chose. All right. So the two shows that I picked are both shows that I. Um, well, I haven't watched 100% of Warehouse 13, but I used to watch it, like, pretty religiously, like, the first few seasons. Um, and iZombie, I've obviously watched every single episode. <laughs> freaking love it. So, um, the first show is obviously Warehouse 13, which was on the Sci-Fi Network from 2009 to 2014. It was created by Jane Espenson and D. Brent Moat. Uh, Jane Espenson, by the way, is who, like, she used to write on Buffy, she used to write on Gilmore Girls, she used to, she basically, uh, she write, she used to write on, or maybe still, writes on Once Upon a Time, and she's kind of one of those people that can go and write an episode of any TV show and still sound like the show, if that makes sense. Well, she's definitely not watching writing on Once Upon a Time anymore because that show does is is over. <laughs> oh, let's write it. I forgot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I I wasn't watching it, but um, no, but she she's definitely a big writer. She's like one of the biggest female writers for sure. Um, so it was kind of exciting for her to do this. So the series follows U.S. Secret Service agents Micah Baring, played by Joanne Kelly. And Pete Latimer, played by Eddie McClintock. 
when they are assigned to the secretive Warehouse 13 for supernatural artifacts. It is located in the barren landscape in South Dakota, and they initially regard the assignment as punishment. As they go about their assignments to retrieve missing artifacts and investigate reports of new ones, they come to understand the importance of what they are doing. So basically, they find like actually they find artifacts that are either from like history or from even sometimes like fiction but they have like these like mystical powers sometimes like they find um like Alice's looking glass and like you could actually get trapped in the looking glass like like things like that so it's like it's definitely sci-fi let's just say so they have to like oh what do they call it like bag it, tag it, and, or it's like, I forget what they do, but there's like a certain saying they have where they basically like make it like stop doing the the mystical thing and then they put it within the warehouse and like tag it and like mark it to like, you know, be kept on record basically. Yes. It's, it sounds more confusing than it actually is. (laughs) So people would describe this show as the X-Files part Raiders of the Lost Ark part moonlighting because definitely in the beginning they kind of pushed the male female like partner will they or won't they thing they kind of definitely moved away from that as the show went along because not that the characters didn't have chemistry they did um but I think it just didn't work for like it wasn't what was driving the show Okay. More of what was driving the show was, like, the team. They developed more of a team, and that was a better fit for, like, the dynamic rather than having the two characters get together. Um, plus, there was another character that was introduced later on that people tended to ship with the female character a lot more. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> um, so that kind of counts as my show that's written by a woman, quote-unquote. <laughs> Okay. My second show is iZombie, uh, which was on the CW, or is, sorry, is on the CW network from 2015 to currently. It's going to have its, isn't it going to have its last season this next year? I... Or is it just renewed? I don't know. I know it's renewed, but I don't know if it's the last season or not, but you know. I don't know. Uh, not sure. Okay. Well, it is based <laughs> on a comic called iZombie, written by Chris Robertson and Michael Allred. But the show was developed by Rob Thomas and Diane Ruggiero, right? Uh, but mostly Rob Thomas gets the credit. Mostly, I think, Rob Thomas does, like, majority of the show running. He's the one that typically will, like, go to the panels, do the interviews, yeah. do that kind of thing. Uh to be honest, I had no idea that this show was not was also co-created by somebody. No, else. no, and neither did I. You know, and I know her. She did a lot of work on Veronica Mars. Yeah, she's, her name is she's very like, familiar. Her, she's like Rob Thomas's right hand like person. Mm-hmm. He go like she does a lot of the work on the books, the Veronica Mars books. Oh that you've yeah, been yeah. Reading recently, yeah, I'm reading the second one. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so she. Like, she's always the person that he goes to to, like, collab to, like, develop stuff. So. Interesting. Yeah. But for the description of the show, Seattle medical resident Olivia Liv Moore is turned into a zombie while attending a boat party. 
she abandons her career and breaks up with her fiancé, much to the disappointment and puzzlement of her family. She discovers that if she does not periodically satisfy her new appetite for brains, she starts turning into a stereotypical zombie, stupid and homicidal. <laughs> Instead of feeding by killing innocent people, Liv decides to take a job at the King County Morgue and eat the brains of the corpses she autopsies. Her secret is guessed by her boss, Dr. Ravi... I'm not even gonna... Shakaravardi. Thank you. Ravi soon becomes Liv's friend and confidant, and as a scientist, he is intrigued by her condition. Liv finds out what whatever she... That what... <laughs> sorry. Liv finds out that whenever she eats a dead person's brain, she temporarily inherits some of their personality traits and skills, and she experiences flashbacks of that person's life. Those visions are generally triggered by sights, events or objects, or sounds, repeated sentences. In the case of murder victims, the flashbacks offer clues about the killer. Liv decides to use this new ability to help police detective Clive Babineau solve crimes. So... (laughs) I love this show. That show... I know, this show is so amazing. So it's like, both of my shows are kind of... uh, case-by-case episodes, but they still have, like, a very well-developed, like, team and characters that you obviously care about their stories throughout as well. Although I feel like it's become less and less case of the week within the last season for iZombie, and it may may or may not have for uh, Warehouse 13 as well, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's just how it is. But, uh, this show is obviously very female, like, centered. It's, like, Liv, Liv Moore is the main character, uh, whereas, like, Warehouse 13 is more kind of a balance between the two. But there are a lot of side female characters in Warehouse 13, so it does kind of um, have that nice balance. So, first question, Katie, and you really liked my question. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I wrote this when I was slightly angry. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote in all caps, by the way, why is it so hard to find shows written by women? Oh, yeah, sexism. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I was very angry when I wrote this. Yeah. Mostly just out of frustration because of my day, but like also frustration in the fact that because we also tried to find political dramas for an episode like this and we couldn't find it and... It's super frustrating. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's become this way where it's like hard to find shows that are created strictly by like a woman or have a lot of female writers. Um, I did just like, as you were talking, it dawned on me that both of the shows that I chose had a, like that the storyline centers around the female character for the majority of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Except, like, Vampire Diaries ended up kind of transitioning away from Elena. Well, because didn't the actress leave? Yes. So, I mean, that's yes. kind of a spoiler, but not. Um, I mean, it. we're talking about the show, so there is going to be kind of spoilers. Yeah, she ended yeah. up wanting to leave the show, so they, like, temporarily killed her character. Like, she's not dead per se, but she's, like, not alive, I guess. Yes. So as all as all sci-fi fantasy shows are, no yeah. one's ever really dead. <laughs> now talk to Supernatural. <laughs> um but 
uh, it ended up picking up the storyline ended up as this show transitioned. It sort of focused more on the brothers, but then now the main character I feel like has really become focused on Caroline. Like Caroline Forbes has become more of the main character and then like how her, everybody revolves around her life. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like her story was better developed than Elena's to be honest. Oh, okay. Um, Sometimes side characters can be like that. They can kind of have more depth to them and they can, I feel like writers are more willing to take risks with characters when they're side characters than when they're the main character. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that's what happened is that, like, Caroline has always been a main part of the story, at least for, like, for Vampire Diaries. She really, really has because, like, she was best friends with Elena and, like, but they characterized her as this, like, ditzy blonde at the beginning and then when she got made into a vampire because the big thing about being like becoming a vampire in that show is that all of your personality traits that you have when you were human get amplified like tenfold so Mm -hmm. like caroline is very organized and very uh uh like a perfectionist to the extreme so like when she became a vampire like that part of her life just like exploded (laughs) so she's like a super perfectionist but she was also it was also very sorry there was like a motorcycle going by that's thrilling um it was very easy for her to actually learn to control herself um with stefan's help however when she did turn off her her humanity like when she flipped her switch that's what they call it like she went on a full like bender Oh. Like, so it was, like, the extreme of both sides. So, like, having her humanity and all that stuff really helped keep her tied to being a human. And then the moment she flipped it off, it took all of her, like, amplified personality traits to the other extreme and turned her into, like, this vicious murderer. Oh, yikes. (laughs) So, um... Fun. But also, like, okay, so, like, for Outlander, even though, like, the show is quite... It's quite different in that respect, um... Because it's it doesn't focus on I mean obviously there's no like supernatural beings but there is like the essence of time travel and like being Claire being out of place in her new life and like trying to figure out how to get back to the world that she lives in. However, when she does get back there, like she's a very different person to who she was when she got to, um, yeah, when she went back in time. So as far as like seeing the differences in, I guess, writing. I mean, obviously, like, you have to take into account that they're on different networks and that they can be more liberal with yeah. what they show on uh, on stars. So, but they did a good job of, like, really growing Claire's character and, like, her being able to mold herself into a life in the 1700s in the late 1700s but also like still keeping those essences of her of who she is from the time frame that she's from yeah also she's a really great liar because she's got to be in order so people don't know who she is and i think the big caveat of this show like the biggest portion of it is that um her husband, his ancestor, is the same, looks exactly the same. So it's the same actor who plays both people. Oh. And the person that he is in the seven in late 1700s is, like, this 
horrible, awful person. His name, he goes by Black Jack Randall, and he is awful. Wow. Like, he is a murderer, a rapist, a he's awful. So, like, when Claire sees him for the first time, she thinks it's her husband, and then he tries to, like, like, attack her, and she's like, that's not my husband, where am I? Oh my god, that's scary. Yeah, so, like, lots of things happen, and, um... I guess, like, the thing that makes this show, Outlander, a little bit different being run by a man is that not, uh, there's a short storyline that they focus on at the end of season one, which is, like, I'll never be able to watch it again because it's just so heavy and it's between Randall and Jamie and it's bad. Like, it's very well written and whatever and all that, but, like, because it's on stars, they can show more. And, like, so you're, like, right in there with it, and it's, like, super yeah. intense. But it's it's a difference. It's different from what you normally see. Like, like Randall's not just raping women. Like, it's, like, Ooh. he also has this, like, obscene obsession with Jamie. Gotcha. So it was, like, very different to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, in the show, you were like, oh, my God. Like, it was <laughs> it was very different, but, like, also... I don't want to say, like, in a good way, but it was, like, interesting to see a different, like, something different, I guess, in that regard, mm-hmm. with that specific type of thing that they're doing in the show, is to see yeah. something different. So, hmm. I mean, even with it being written, like, co- like run by a man versus, like, the other show is run by both a man and a woman, like, the shows are, because maybe it's the time frame in which they're out now, because it's, like... The show's only four years old, and the other one is, I mean, a bit older than that, but they're still, like, very well portraying their female characters. Mm -hmm. They're, like, doing a good job. Like, they're very well written, which is, like, a thing that you don't see, like, on a show like, like, Supernatural, for instance, has no key female characters on there. And every time they get a female character, they freaking kill them off. Yep. I'm not angry about that. What? You no emotion in your voice whatsoever. Not at all. But yeah, I don't know if that actually answers your question or just me talking. I think you talk you pretty much answered like three questions I didn't even write down, which is perfect. Okay, so perfect. I'm going to now answer similar questions that you just answered. Okay, you do that. So, I think something that's similar between my two shows is similar to like yours in the sense that Both of my shows portray the female characters very well. So like in Warehouse 13, you have Micah who is very, very, very good at her job. Um, It's that standard like male-female cop like duo where they have the guy be a little more playful and he's like, let's, you know, like let loose and be cool and still gets the job done. But then the girl's like super uptight and blah, blah, blah. Which is obviously falling within to the time period of when this show came out. This show was obviously out very similar at the time of like Bones, Castle, all those procedurals where they had that male-female duo. Where obviously the woman feels like she needs to act more professional, which is why she's always the uptight one, right? You know? Yeah. But... They do move away from that and she does grow in the sense that she does know like like she does kind of 
build more of a personality. You obviously see like why she acts a certain way, why she's so guarded, um, you know, why she takes her job so seriously, which is kind of what they do to most of those female characters. But um, same with iZombie, like you see her change within one episode from one extreme to the other, you know, with like her before uh, she became a zombie where she was just full of life and full of passion and had, you know, everything going for her. And then boom, like she feels like she loses all of that within an instant. And you see her go into this like state of depression in a sense where she, you know, ditches her fiance and, um, you know, quits her job that she's been working for her whole life and goes into something a little below her like level of what she expected you know, for her to do career-wise. But at the same time, within that episode, you see her find a way to work through that and still do good with what she can do and find a passion in a way that, like, won't hurt people. Like, you still see, like, her trying to do good. Um, but she's not perfect. Like, yeah, you no, know. Not anywhere she, close. Yeah, like, she's not perfect. Like, she definitely does make mistakes. And same with, you know, same with Micah. Like, a lot of times, you know, when they're going to collect things, she can, because she, like, tries to be super strict with the rules and all this stuff, she can sometimes let things slip by. And then that's where, like, the partner dynamic kind of comes into play. Um, but she's definitely got, like, a lot to offer. She She's very sharp you know, so I think both of them shows do very well in portraying the female characters. Um, in the way that they are different, I would think that just I Zombie is like a little bit better about not having those stereotypical dynamics, whereas Warehouse Thirteen does. I think that's not not because of the gender of the writers or the showrunners, but more of just like the time period and what was like. Like back then, that's just what was what was popular is those very stereotypical like male female dynamics. Mm-hmm. Whereas like an I Zombie, it's not really like like Liv is all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of personality, because she has a literally a different personality every single week. Now you get to know Liv, who the true Liv is in between. But like every episode, she's acting like a different person. And her quote unquote partner is Clive, who's just very like, I'm just here to be a cop, man. He's like, I'm, I'm just here to block up bad guys. This is what blows my mind about iZombie specifically is that like how often Liv changes her personality yes. to match that of the person that... Like Rose they're investigating. Okay, which is amazing, which like that shows so much for like the writing for the show as well as like uh the act uh Rose McIver's ability as an actress to like change all of the time. But also it makes Clive look like a freaking idiot. That it he does. like does not even realize at all. Like it did not take Ravi that long to realize like that she's a zombie, but it took Clive forever forever yeah like the only way he found out was because they had to tell him and then he's like oh it makes so much sense and i'm like you're an idiot man because he 
he clearly just thought she was like some crazy kooky psychic who took on the personality, but like no, not man. in a not in a like literal supernatural kind of way, just in a like, oh, I'm taking on the personality as like method acting or something. Oh you know what I just realized is that um the you've seen Warm Bodies, right? The movie. Warm bodies. No. Oh, okay. Uh, it didn't even dawn on me that the thing about like them seeing the flashes of the person's life and stuff, like that exact thing happens in warm bodies. I don't know why I just realized that when I see seen... that. Like... Is that like a part of like zombie lore? I have no idea. I mean, Cause, it just because zombie is pretty much the only zombie thing I've watched. So. Okay, you should watch Warm Bodies, like the movie. I read the book and saw the movie, and it's real. It's actually pretty good nice um it's got i gotta forget the the actor who's in it um i know the guy from skins right the uk version of skins i think so he also played he was also in like uh some x-men movies he played yeah beast but like the young version of him yeah like him and jennifer lawrence were like a couple i think that's the same dude (laughs) yes yes that is the same dude that's exactly it. yeah that one you should see Um, it it's good nice well uh so what i find interesting is that when it comes to sci-fi fantasy books, there's actually a lot of female writers. Okay, yeah, that's like a, true. Like a lot. It's it's very much a genre that female writers feel like they can come into and kind of create the characters that they've always wanted to create and not really... I mean, yes, they are, probably are judged by it because it is such a like male-dominated genre, but because within the realm of fantasy, you can kind of stretch, like, the bounds of reality. Like, I feel like it's more comfortable for women to go in and, like, create some, like, crazy thing. So why is it that there are so few female writers for this genre of TV? It just, that baffles me. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, I have noticed that there are, aren't that many i mean i don't know if it's maybe they don't feel welcomed in the genre or maybe they don't feel comfortable like they're not because they're not it doesn't seem like they're welcomed in so obviously they don't feel as comfortable writing in it um i mean i know the show's not like i didn't talk about this show but uh there has been like chatter in the past uh on supernatural since that is technically like a supernatural fantasy show. Um, mm-hmm. They have had female writers on that show. So obviously like the show was created by Eric Kripke and like it's transitioned between different people who run the show now. Um, but one of their executive producers is also a writer on the show who is Sarah Gamble. And like, she's amazing and she's written some incredible episodes, but like sometimes the actors say things that make it like, Oh, well she wrote this episode and it was so much more emotional and feminine and that's not what this show is so I feel like like that right there right like I've heard them say that kind of stuff in like interviews at conventions and things like that um it makes you think like why would they want to jump into a genre where even the actors themselves are being like oh well this show isn't supposed to be like that but then at the same time you think about vampire diaries and Um, Outlander, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like, all these shows, like, that we have been talking about, like, even the other ones within the genre, they always write in romance, emotions, 
like yeah. character development high than high drama, like, like high stakes drama. Exactly. Like, so like that I'm not saying that all women write very well within that area, but at the yeah. same time, like like women have a tendency to relate better to female characters. Um and they can give them that kind of like emotion and give them you know something that's realistic that we like we as the what like as the as the audience mm. can actually think is more realistic if that makes sense yeah and the fact that if you look a lot if you look at a lot of the sci-fi fantasy shows there's actually a lot of female-led ones like a lot yeah so why aren't women writing these shows? So yeah. cl- like clearly we're fine with having the female characters. Like sure, maybe sometimes there's only one. Like you know, there's just certain shows. But like, like you look at Battlestar Galactica. Like in the very beginning, there was really only like one or two main female characters. But it was really like she's one of the guys, you know. But like obviously it grows from there. But like. They have no problem clearly putting the woman in the main, you know, position. Like, think of Buffy, think of Dollhouse, think of iZombie. I mean, the shows, all the shows that we're talking about, they're all pretty much female-led. So, why? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It would, I would be, like, really interested to see, like, a female-dominated, like, run show with a female lead, even with a male lead, but like, just see how differently that would be written. Yeah. It would you know, be- would, would there be as many female deaths? Would there be, you know, as like, yeah, I know I'm not going to get you started. I know that's a trigger, <laughs> but like, obviously they would be very good at writing something like vampire diaries. I mean, they could really write anything. Yeah. But you know, it's just, Definitely need more female writers within this genre. But I just think it's interesting that, like, female writers are definitely into this genre when it comes to books, but for some reason aren't being hired as TV writers. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was very interesting that the majority of the shows that are sci-fi fantasy related are based off of some other type of material. So iZombie was a comic book. Um, Vampire Diaries, Al Anders book, Vampire Diaries is a book, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I believe was a movie first and then became a TV show. Well, it was, it was from the comics. Oh, comics. So like comic book. And then Supernatural is, was not a, was not anything before. It was not a TV show. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously a TV show, but it's not. Warehouse 13 was, I think, technically an original, but it was kind of inspired by, like, a lot of other things. Yeah. So, like, I've noticed that a lot of the sci-fi fantasy genre-related things come from um, some other source material. So it's, like, not a original. I mean, I think that's that's kind of just Hollywood in general now. Well, yeah. That is definitely now. But, like, if we're going to take, like... If we're going to take books and turn them into TV shows, like they did with Vampire Diaries, they took a book that was written by a woman. Wasn't it, isn't it written by a woman? Isn't, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't want to say Because I know it's just an initial. Yeah. I'll, LJ I'll, Smith. I'll look it you up. look it up. But, but if we take books that, you know, fantasy or sci-fi books that are written by women and then like have a woman take it 
and write it. Like Jessica Jones is the perfect example. Like we've yeah. already talked about Jessica Jones, which is why we haven't chosen that show for this episode. But Jessica Jones is one of the only few that like has been taken and done by like a, you know, female director and writer and all of that. Um, but I don't even know, was Jessica Jones created by a man? I'm not even sure, but. Oh, I mean, it's, a, it's so a woman. Many. Yeah. So yeah, I thought so. I thought Lisa so. Jane, her name is Lisa Jane Smith. Um, yeah. Also, I totally watched the other show that was based off of a novel series that she did. Didn't even realize that. Oh, what series? <laughs> the Secret Circle. Oh, I watched that too. Yeah, it was only one season. It was like kind of not even a full season, but yeah. I, yeah. Because I it's um, Britt Morrison's the star in that. Yeah. I like her. Uh, I think her dad is the guy from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Oh, dang. <laughs> Which I'm going to look up right now. Nice. Well, any final thoughts before we head out? I think we've made our thoughts pretty clear in terms of what needs improvement. So, (laughs) Yeah, just more female writers. I mean, based on the shows that we have now, I do... Like, I was very impressed as I was going through um, the... Like, going through Vampire Diaries. Like... Like, even though uh, Elena's character didn't develop as much as, like, I would have hoped it did, but, like, seeing the character development of Caroline is so amazing. Like, I know that show's about vampires and all that stuff, but, like, it's actually a very well-done show. And the same thing with Outlander. Outlander is an extremely well-done show. It is. It covers a lot of controversial topics. It tries to bring in the different time frames and, like... It's it's really interesting to watch a show develop around a person who's out of place, like out of her time. Yeah. And like, I think you would love the part when like she's changing her clothes with the other women and they look at her because she's wearing a bra and oh, underwear yeah. and they don't wear those things then. And she's like, it's called a brassiere. And they were like, what? <laughs> it was really, really funny. Like, was I was really funny. I was dying. I was like, this is amazing. Um, no, no. I, I would agree. I would say that this genre is one of the best in terms of having well-developed female characters. Mm-hmm. I just I just feel like they need to be written more by women. Yes, so. I, I 100% agree. I would love to see more things that that are written by women but that's just in general like it doesn't even that have that is just like, in general. Like I I just in general and I would like to see this particular genre include more women for sure. Yeah. Well, um, if anyone has any suggestions of either TV genres we should cover for this series or even movie genres, because we've thought about a few, but, you know, just out of curiosity, and if there's any that you in particular want us to cover, please let us know. And I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Tea Time. The show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes are available on our website, teatimewithkc.com. Feel free to reach out to us via Twitter or Instagram by using the handle at teatimewithkc. You can also chat with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash teatimewithkc. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, 
feel free to email us at teawithkcy at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. And lastly, don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the geek to geek Podcast Network by visiting geek 2 geekcastcom And you can also chat with us in real time by downloading the messaging app Slack and joining our Slack channel at geek 2 geekcastslackcom Until next time, bye! bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another cup of tea.